Chapter thirty one of the Maid of Scar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Maid of Scar by R. D. Blackmore. Chapter thirty one. Two Lovers the boat came round the corner swiftly of the wooded stretch of rock within whose creek i lay concealed and the officer in the stern-sheets cried in the short sharp tone of custom easy stroke hold all i heard him jerk the rudder lines as they passed within biscuit toss of me and with a heavy sheer he sent her as if he knew every inch of water to the steps of narnton court not the handsome balustrade only a landing of narrow stone way nearer to me than the western end and where the riverside terrace stopped two men sprang ashore and made the boat fast at the landing and then some others lifted out what seemed to be a heavy chest and placed it on the topmost step until the officer having landed signed to them to bear it further to a corner of the parapet i could see the whole of these doings and distinguish him by his uniform because the boat and the group of sailors were not more than fifty yards from me and almost in the track of the moon from the place where i was hiding in a minute or two all returned to the boat with the exception of the officer and i heard him give orders from the shore round the point men keep close and wait for me under the yellow hook i showed you the coxswain jumped into the stern sheets in a second or two they had put about and the light gig pulling six good oars shot by me on the first of the ebb as swiftly almost as the wild ducks flew meanwhile the officer stood and gazed until they had rounded the western point from which they had spoiled my shot so and knowing the vigilant keenness of a british captain's eyes i feared that he might espy my punt which would have disgraced me dreadfully and even without this i felt how much i would rather be far away there could have been no man more against my taste to keep a watch upon than a captain in the royal navy whose father might have been over me and vigorously as i called to mind that all i was doing must be for his good as well as for that of his relatives i could not find that satisfaction which ought to flow from such benevolence however it now was too late to back out and even if my desire to know the end of this matter allowed of it the officer stood for a minute or two as if in brown thoughts and deep melancholy and turned to the house once or twice and seemed to hesitate as to approaching it the long great house with the broad river front looked all dark and desolate not a servant a horse or even a dog was moving and the only sign of life i could see was a dull light in a little window over a narrow doorway while i was wondering at all this and the captain standing gloomily a little dark figure crossed the moonlight from the shadowy doorway and the officer made a step or two and held out his arms and received it they seemed to stay pretty well satisfied thus the figure being wholly female until with a sudden change of thought there seemed to be some sobbing 
this led the captain to try again some soft modes of persuasion such as i could not see into even if i would have deigned to do a thing against my grain so because i have been in that way myself and did not want to be looked at however not to be too long over what every man almost goes through some honestly and some anyhow but all tending to experience my only desire was finding them at it to get out of the way very quickly for poor as i am there were several women of newton and lalliston and ueni and even of bridgend our market town setting their caps like sprinkles at me whereas i laboured at nothing else but to pay respect to my poor wife's memory and never have a poor woman after her and now all these romantic doings made me feel uneasy and ready to be infected so as to settle with nothing more than had been offered me thrice and three times refused a seven foot and six inch mangle and if she proved a tiger have to work it myself perhaps be that either way these two unhappy lovers came along while i was wondering at them yet able to make allowance so until they must have seen me if they had a corner of an eye for anything less than one another they stood on a plank that crossed the narrow creek or slot wherein i lay under a willow full of brown leaves and scarcely ten yards from me here there was a rail across about as big as a kidney-bean stick whereupon they leaned and looked into the water under them then they sighed and made such sorrow streaked somehow with happiness that i got myself ready to leap overboard if either or both of them should jump in however they had more sense than that though they went on very tenderly and with a soft strain quite unfit to belong to a british officer being from ancient though humble birth gifted with a deal of delicacy i pulled out two plugs of tobacco which happened to be in my mouth just now and i spared them both to stop my ears though striking inwards painfully i tried to hear nothing for ever so long but i found myself forced to ease out the plugs they did smart so confoundedly and this pair wanted some one now to take a judicious view of them for which few men perhaps could be found better qualified than i was for they carried on in so high a manner that it seemed as if they could be cured by nothing short of married life of which i had so much experience and the principal principle of that state is that neither party must begin to make too much of the other's side but being now over that sort of thing i found myself snug in a corner and able to view them with interest and considerable candour is there no hope of it then after all after all you have done and suffered and the prayers of everybody this was the maiden of course having right to the first word and the last of it there is hope enough my darling but nothing ever comes of it and how can i search out this strange matter while i am on service always throw it up drake my dear heart for my sake throw it up and throw over all ambition until you are cleared of this foul shame 
my ambition is slender now he answered and would be content with one slender lady here he gave her a squeeze that threatened not only to make her slenderer but also to make the rail need more stoutness and me to keep ready for plunging nevertheless you know he went on when the plank and the rail put up with it i cannot think of myself for a moment while i am thus on duty we expect orders for america so you said and it frightens me if that should be so whatever ever can become of us my own dear you are a child almost a child for a man like me knocked about the world so much and ever so unfortunate the rest of his speech was broken into much to my dissatisfaction by a soft caressing comfort such as women's pity yields without any consideration only they made all sorts of foolish promises and eternal pledges touched up with confidence and hope and mutual praise and faith and doubt and the other ins and outs of love i won't cry any more she said with several sobs between it i ought not to be so with you who are so strong and good and kind your honour is cruelly wronged at home you never shall say that your own own love wished you to peril it also abroad he took her quietly into his arms and they seemed to strengthen one another and to my eyes came old tears or at any rate such as had come long ago these two people stood a great time silent full of one another keeping close with reverent longing gazing yet not looking at the moonlight and the water then the delicate young maiden for such her voice and outline showed her though i could not judge her face shivered in the curling fog which the climbing moon had brought hereupon the captain felt that her lungs must be attended to as well as her lips and her waist and heart and he said in a soft way like a shawl come away my lovely darling from the cold and fog and mist your little cloak is damp all through and time it is for me to go discipline i will have always and i must have the same with you until you take command of me many many a weary year ere i have the chance of it captain drake the young thing sighed as she spoke though perhaps without any sense of prophecy isabel let us not talk like that even if we think it the luck must turn some day my darling even i cannot be always on the evil side of it how often has my father said so and what stronger proof can i have than you as long as you are true to me they were turning away when this bright idea which seems to occur to lovers always under some great law of nature to prolong their interviews this compelled them to repeat pretty much the same forms and ceremonies assurances pledges and such like which had passed between them scarcely more than three or four minutes ago at the utmost and again i looked away because i would have had others do so to me and there was nothing new to learn by it only one thing more my own said the lady taking his arm again one more thing you must promise me if you care for me at all keep out of the way of that dreadful man 
why how can i meet him at sea my bell even if he dislikes me as you tell me perpetually though i never gave him cause that i know of he does not dislike you drake bampfylde he hates you with all the venomous cold black hatred such as i fear to think of oh my dear oh my dear now isabel try not to be so foolish i never could believe such a thing and i never will without clearest proof i never could feel like that myself even if any one wronged me deeply and in spite of all my bad luck bell i have never wronged any one at least more than you know of then don't wrong me my own dear love by taking no heed of yourself here there and everywhere seems to be his nature you may be proud of your ship and people and of course they are proud of you you may be ordered to gibraltar where they have done so gloriously or to america or to india but wherever you are you never can be out of the reach of that terrible man his ways are so crooked and so dark and so dreadfully cold-blooded isabel isabel now be quiet what an imagination you have a man in holy orders a man of a good old family who have been ancient friends of ours a bad old family you mean bad for generations it does not matter of course what i say because i am so young and stupid but you are so frank and good and simple and so very brave and careless and i know that you will own some day oh it frightens me so to think of it that you were wrong in this matter and your isabel was right what his answer was i cannot tell because they passed beyond my hearing upon their way towards the house the young lady with her long hair shining like woven gold in the moonlight tried so far as i could see to persuade him to come in with her this however he would not do though grieving to refuse her and she seemed to know the reason of it and to cease to urge him in and out of many things which they seemed to have to talk of he showed her the great chest in the dark corner and perhaps she paid good heed to it as to that how can i tell when they both were so far off and river fogs arising yet one thing i well could tell or at any rate could have told it in the times when my blood ran fast and my habit of life was romantic even though the light was foggy and there was no time to waste these two people seemed so to stay with a great dislike of severing however they managed it at last and growing so cold in my shoulders now as well as my knees uncomfortable right glad was i to hear what the maiden listened to with intense despair that is to say the captain's footfall a yard further off every time of the sound he went along the braunton road to find his boat where the river bends and much as i longed to know him better and understand why he did such things and what he meant by hankering so after this young lady outside his own father's house and refusing to go inside when invited and speaking of his own bad luck so much and having a chest put away from the moonlight 
likewise his men in the distance so far and compelled to keep round the corner not to mention his manner of walking and swinging his shoulders almost as if the world was nothing to him although i had never been perhaps so thoroughly pushed with desire of knowledge and all my best feelings uppermost there was nothing for me left except to ponder and to chew my quid rowing softly through the lanes and lines of misty moonlight to my little cuddy home across the tidal river End of chapter thirty one